This is Harold Jarbo, AKA the Old Hip Farmer. I'm with Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media and Ox Bethel of Canagogs. And you've stumbled into another episode of Full Contact Campus. How you doing, Ox? How you blessed, my brother? And how y'all doing? Fine. Yeah, we're good. Good is good. Mr. Stepp, you've never got to talk to uh, Mr. Bethel, so I'm going to let you open this up from one podcaster to another. And uh, Ox, you tell people a little bit about what you've been doing. Brief little background. I've been in the hemp industry since roughly uh, 2017. I started off as a more or less a runt broker and quickly seeing that I needed to find my way into this um, industry. I got a passion for the plant, but um, I also can't grow the plant, which kind of led me to where I'm at right now. I'm trying to somewhat basically build out a subculture with average man hemp gauze. We understand you have your own podcast too. Uh, Ox, tell us a little bit about that. Oh man, um, Hemp Talk Radio. My initial goal with that was to go ahead and try, try to basically keep uh, people up to date on the latest and um, news going on in the United States hemp industry. And it's kind of it's kind of morphed off into other things. That's definitely what I do. I try I try to stay consistent as I can, keeping up with the latest major things that's happening in the hemp industry. Uh, but I'm done with John. I'm probably going to do an uh, episode on the smokable flower market. Where are you located? I'm in Orlando, Florida currently. I'm from Miami, though. When you said that you can't grow it, why why can't you grow it? Okay, good question. Remember, um, um, I know you probably remember better than anybody. When the 2018 Farm Bill came about, they put um, they put a 10-year ban on um, basically what you like to call pot felons. And um, even though I'm not a felon from a state standpoint, I'm kind of a felon from a federal standpoint because... Um, the way state laws work in Florida, they have what's called the withhold the Jewification, which you might be good in the state, but from a federal, you know, the feds don't look at it that way. They look at things more being black and white. So until uh, roughly, I think 2022, I am barred from growing, you know, from basically growing hemp. So you're another, uh, I guess, victim of the drug war. Basically, in a nutshell, you know, you 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 sit back and you ask yourself how much how much how much pain do you actually have to do as if your jail time or your conviction would ever have you if that was your situation. If that wasn't enough, you sit back and you kind of see a, a foothold to kind of get in, th thinking you can get in and you can really kind of do what you like doing and or what you love doing and voila, they got another brick wall for you. So you started out in uh, high THC cannabis and now you've migrated into high CBD cannabis? Exactly. From uh, more or less, I can speak on it now because I guess I've, I've kind of went to, you know, went to went to jail and went with the whole case thing already. Yeah, I, I started more or less with the, they like to call the black market. I started from black market dealing in um, basically high THC, you know. I don't have much of a background like the other guys that, that kind of probably came from a legal state. I'm still I'm still in Florida where it's basically still illegal unless it's for uh, medical purposes. So have you ever thought about migrating? You know what? At times I do. In reference so to my my can of gauze, it, it 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 is quite interesting. It, it's it's quite it's quite taken to look at. And I've done my research on other companies, uh, other can of gauze companies, and wondered why they never branched out. And it's it's kind of one of those things I I actually have to go ahead and take up on once like cannabis becomes legal from a, a national standpoint. But in, in at the current state that where it stands right now. I, I just can't see doing it right now because what I'm trying to do has to be at, at um, when it comes to like high THC, I, the only way it makes sense would be from a national level. There seems to be a lot of people waiting for that shoe to drop. Oh man, tell me about it. Everybody's waiting for it from big to from, from big tobacco to, into your small neighborhood, to your small um, CBD farmer, to your, to your corporations. Everybody's waiting for it. Everybody's waiting for it, man. Can we go back to when you were doing a uh, recreational black market? What got you into it? Um, a combination of two things, man. I, I was always curious about it. And, you know, I was, I mean, I was, I was in the hood. I didn't really have no education on it. I was curious about it. And I was just always curious about the plant and which kind of got me into it. And plus on top of that, it was, it was, it was also a way for me to, at that time where I couldn't get a job. It was a, it was a wonderful way of, uh, feeding my family, whatever have you. Out of all the things you can kind of deal in the streets, I knew for certain I slept good at night knowing that I was providing a product to people that wasn't hurting nobody. 
I wasn't hurting nobody. I, I know can I, I, that's one thing I knew for certain. I knew cannabis never killed anybody. It's probably kept more people from getting killed than anything. As you made your journey, how much do you think racism has been an impediment to you being able to move further ahead in the cannabis business? Oh, that's that's interesting. Doing part to the fact that just the mere fact of that ten year ban in itself, I just felt like that's discriminatory. Knowing just kind of based on looking at the numbers, a, a majority. I mean, okay, the drug, the war on drugs in itself was targeted for a specific type of people. So then on top of that, a lot of the the cannabis arrest that's also they, they were also targeted towards a specific type of people. So it's just when you sit back and think you're done with all that already, then you turn around and find out that they, they're not done with you yet. You know, you can still get in, but you may have to hop through a few hoops. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not by no means trying to put out there this poor little me story or whatever have you, but it it, it, it shouldn't be that way. So for a while you you were a agricultural pharmaceutical salesman and you decided what when was that point where you said, you know, I'm going to go legit. More or less when I seen the opportunity. 2017, I was um, sitting back and I was, um, I had transitioned from um, smoking, like smoking tobacco products. And I was looking for another alternative. But around that time, I was still dibbling and dabbling in the streets, whatever I have you. And I just was looking for something to substitute. And I knew cannabis was a safe alternative. But I also knew the stuff at the time I was dealing with, we was dealing with exotic stuff, very much so too high potency for me to try to start off with that. So believe it or not, I never told anybody. I used to get him from like overseas, like from Czech Republic or something like that. Um, something that, that something that make your Reggie look like exotic. And I, I started off smoking that. I kind of went down the rabbit hole looking for better and better hemp. And then I stumbled, I actually stumbled upon the hemp industry while I stumbled upon Richard Rose. Man, that's, that dude's like, that dude's like a whole saint and stuff. That guy's a basic living legend. And, um, he introduced me to a lot of things. He put me up on a lot of game. I, when I first stepped onto the scene and I was asking people to smoke hemp, they thought I was crazy back then, back 2017. You know, that was the that was the biomass era. There was no smokable flower, um, smokable flower market in itself. So I kept basically kept going down. I basically kept going down that rabbit hole. It kind of basically led me into broker, and it kind of eventually led me to where I'm at right now, producing my own, my own, my own basic hemp cigars. What year was it that you got a hold of Tennessee Homegrown looking for big fan leaves? Ooh, what was it? What was that? Uh, 2019? Yeah, it was a long time ago. I know. Yeah, because the 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 interesting thing, your your thing, you know, your Cosa Canapa is um, hemp gars. So how did you get into hemp gars? Because when you called us up, we were real intrigued, but then we, you know, started figuring out to be able to consistently big, big, big finger leaves and to do it, it just wasn't economically feasible for us to do. We still, you know, staying in touch. Talk about the evolution of all that and how damn difficult it was. Difficult it was. And it's um, along this journey, and I'm still going on this journey, I've actually uh, found guys that was, I basically had to go talk to the guys on the Canagas side. I had to talk to them and I had to borrow some, I had to borrow some, some information from them and then I had to turn right back around and borrow some information from the actual cigar industry. And then I had to come back and put together my own style. So in reference to families in itself, that's still an ongoing challenge um, of basically trying to cure these fan leaves to basic per to perfection where you don't taste the harshness to it. That's still an ongoing process. But in the meantime, I've been having to supplement using um, basically somewhat the, the thinnest hemp paper I could find those fan leaves that I could actually cure to perfection. Course I can produce it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm probably someone like you. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on perfection. If it's not, if, if it's not perfect, I just won't put it out there. All right, but how did you end up on this? There are like literally scores of smokable products. How did you end up on the idea of making a hemp cigar? I sat back and when I turned, when I actually turned my back from actually smoking tobacco products and itself, perfectly. Um, premium cigars. I sat back and I looked at all my old pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was actually smoking some hemp, um, just the feel of a cigar, but I didn't want to have to go back to smoking cigars. And that's how I, that's how I basically stumbled upon that. And prototype after prototype, cigar after cigar, strand after strand, uh, moisture content after some moisture content of, of every type of flower I ran into. Every experience was a different smoking experience, but yet in itself, it was an experience. 
And I felt like other people should be able to have that experience too. And that's, that's, why, that's why I went forward with this direction. And I'm going this direction right here. Well, this is interesting because that whole phenomenon uh, of the smokable flower is, we, we, like I said, at Tennessee Homegrown, you were right, in 2017, we, it wasn't on our radar. We never thought about it. Why would anybody want to, I'm excuse my language, friggin' smoke hemp? It was the craziest thing. When 2018 happened and some laws changed and some people came out and all of a sudden there was the market for it, in 2018, we could almost sell anything that didn't have seeds in it. I mean, seriously, it could be no quality. At what point do you think that the people started that were consuming this started getting sophisticated? You know what I think it was? I, I, I seen, we've seen a lot of demand in, in basically two types of states. And, and you probably can agree with this. Um, the, the states where it's recreational at and it's high THC. And people actually deal with anxiety or whatever have you, and they've been smoking so much high THC for so long that they actually want to try something different, but without actually abandon, abandoning the plant in itself. That's number one. And number two, it's those folks who actually, they could, only thing they probably was able to get their hands on was Bama. It was probably Bama bud. And the best next, best thing to it was y'all smokable for the hour. Well, what I, what I was talking about, Ox, was at some point, the customer, like I said, what we sold in 2018, not because we planted that crop to be sold as flour, it's just there was no decent looking flour. But at one point, like I said, I couldn't, I could not sell that at all. And then I noticed, I think it was, maybe it was the tail end of 2019, all of a sudden, the COA, the, the certificate of analysis didn't matter. I remember brokering a deal for 20 pounds. And I said, and we got the, you know, the, and the guy said, I don't give a rat's butt about your COA. Does it have bag appeal? And huh. that was the first time I'd ever heard somebody was looking for flour was he was, he was more about the moisture content, about the smell, whatever. It, it wasn't a COA. And it was, and that's what I'm saying is at some point, and I'm not even sure when it happened, all of a sudden it had to be a good smoke. I don't, I don't know if it was the CBD rave. Well, I don't know if it's just if it was just that desire that people just wanted to get their hands on some type of cannabis and they can't wait for legalization. I don't exactly have the answer. Like I don't exactly know in itself, but I know what happened. This is the first year Tennessee Homegrown has really concentrated on indoor flower, right? Mm -hmm. I see that. We, well, we just slammed our head trying to grow outdoor flower in a high humidity area is damn near impossible. And our sales weren't that really that fantastic for the, you know, we're trying to sell the pre-rolls. We started growing indoors and granted it's better, but all of a sudden any crop we got to indoor, we can sell it out. Bang. And I, I, one thing I'm wondering about is that people smoking really crappy D8 soaked flour. It was one of those things like this tastes horrible but I hear it's a little slightly different buzz, but it tastes real good and it's a good smoke. And that's one of the things I think, because you mentioned it, right? Mm -hmm. That whole thing. I used to smoke cigars and there is no such thing as a cheap, good cigar. Exactly. There isn't. No. I mean, <laughs> you, you want long filler, a nice Connecticut shade wrapper. Uh, I like Churchill. I mm -hmm. just love those bad boys, but a really good cigar and in trying to describe it to somebody, it's a multi-level sensation. Well, what do you guys think makes a good smokable flower cannabis situation? Well, that's a whole episode itself, man. But I, I, <laughs> that's a, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But you, you sit back talking to the cook, you know what I'm saying? You talk right, to the cook right. and ask them what makes food taste good. Um, or, or I tell you what, we can we can water it down a little bit. What do you find your customers are asking for? Nah, see this this that's actually a two part question I would say because that's one part that's one part I'd say on on Harold's side. There'll be one part on my side, right? Now, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna answer my side first, and then Harold jump in. Sure. What I've been what I've been seeing roughly so far in the smokable flower market is something very odd. People have been looking for, uh, they've been looking for exotic strands. They've been looking for flavorful exotic strands. Like I've, I've seen, there's one strand that's floating around called, called Banana Mac, even though I'm sure that's a marijuana strand. That strand, um, 
goes up to 4% THCA and people are going crazy for it. I've, I've watched four different websites all release it at the same time. Um, and, and, I, and I watch it just set out um, simultaneously. Wow. People are really looking for those. They're really looking for those exotic flavors, those flavors that you can't find. That's what they're looking for right now. That, that's what I've been seeing. Indoor, by the way, indoor grown flowers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that Well, that's, I think, the biggest thing is the customer's more sophisticated. Well, one thing, you know, um, and not to badmouth Oregon, Oregon grows some of the finest cannabis on the face of the earth. It really, really does. But they unloaded a lot of stuff grown for biomass as flour. It got was real cheap. It got put on the market. I think a lot of people got used to thinking that hemp tasted like crap. And it, and it was, I, I mean, so here now, because we are, people are growing indoor, which means two things. One, they've got better conditions. And two, you're not growing as much. Anybody who's trying to grow for flour and growing acres, uh-uh, it ain't happening. These are, if you want really good smokable flour, these are like little animals that have to be pampered. Exactly. And so, means, yeah. so the thing about it was when the price fell out on flour, I think some people gave up on it, but there were some of these diehards. And I think deep down inside, a bunch of these guys that are growing indoor or really concentrated on it, are botting their time to where they get to do either mad or rec. Because let's face it, all they got to do is, you know, just put in different clones and they're all ready. So I think that, so, and everybody who's been connected with rec knows you got to bring it. If you yeah, really want to... You better bring it. Yeah. But if you do, you can get the price. It's, even though it's not a huge market, you know, all of a sudden, instead of people want to pay you 75 to 150 for what they call quote unquote smokable flour, you're finding yourself being able to get eight, nine hundred dollars. So it behooves these people to put more time and effort into it. You know, it's, it's like anything. We're into growing hemp flowers six seven years theoretically you're going to get better i mean it's, it's uh, <laughs> I, 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 i've watched i'm watching it go from commodity to craft real quick it went from outdoor pounds it was going for like 500 maybe you could get it even more on the drought the outdoor is not even in the question the greenhouse is it's, it's still a conversation piece but indoor Let's talk about indoor. That's all they want to talk about. And what, what strands, what, what, what tasty strands that, that you have that nobody else don't have. That's what it's turned into. It's well, getting we, real competitive indoor. We lucked into one thing a year or so ago. This thing I call Reedyville Godbud. My partner, Lee Crabtree, calls it Tennessee Vol. But it's one of these things that accidentally got cross-pollinated, came up in compost, and it literally smells and tastes like bubblegum that's beautiful we because you know like i said we still don't understand the market i'll be the first one to say that every time i think i kind of see a trend line i get i get my face you know smacked in so we put this out in little bits not knowing how it would be received and it was just like boom i mean like right now we're, we're sold out we're sold out of this particular thing and i think it's I don't know, is it exotic or what it is, but that period of time where it seemed like anything, anybody was buying smokable and hemp it had D8 soaked has now shifted from D8 back to really good indoor smokable flour. And respectively, I'm not going to sit back. I'm not bragging, but I saw it coming. As, as <laughs> I'm not bragging, but I saw it coming. You know, I've, you, you know how I've always been when it came to smokable, whenever you talk to me. You, you know how I've always been when it came to smokable. D8 is D8 starting to get banned certain places. You can't you can't too much ban smokable flour. The like the lid is already off that thing. You can't put it back on. They probably can try it with D8. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like Have you smoked any D8 flour? No. It's awful. <laughs> it tastes awful. And it does get you high, but it's Ooh, one of these D8 things. On the, and then you know what I'm saying? And then I smoke it, but uh, spray it on that. I'm, I'm, I'm a purist, man. 
Yeah. Well, also speaking of taste, do you see flavorings or additives of any kind coming into play in the future? Yeah, I've seen, I've I've heard about some individuals trying to spray terpenes on their flower, and, and it's it's that went back in the back in the day that was that was looked at as to be kind of be frowned upon. But I guess that's I guess some folks looking for that. I'm not. If you get a hemp golf from me, it's not sprayed with terpenes. I'm not a you know. Well, let's go back to your your child, Canagar. How much of a market do you think there really is for that product? It's a good question. I think it's a. I, I think I, I think it's a big market to the, the the craft hemp consumer, the guy that actually that's that's really serious about his um, about, about his hemp. I believe it's a market there for it, and um, to a certain degree, um, if. If, if if I was to start rolling these in um, tobacco, I believe I can actually create a subculture in itself. And, but that 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 gets real real tricky and complicated um, because uh, cannabis guys aren't some cannabis some cannabis guys are not fans of tobacco, even though they'll smoke out of a blunt. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of cigar guys that's real hostile towards cannabis. But I believe there is a subculture to be built, just a culture in itself with the hemp gauze, and then there's a culture in itself with the stuff that could possibly be rolled in tobacco. Because uh, the, the things that I've seen and the flavors that I've tasted, uh, it, it, it'd be wrong not to share it with the world. Back to let's say you know when this does go, because you're dreaming of the inter interstate to be able to really do this. I I know a little bit about doing long fill cigars and how they're made. Mm -hmm. How would you keep up with production? It'd be quite simple. I mean, I, I, I'd probably keep a small batch. I'd probably have to. I'd probably have to make multiple companies. <laughs> so, so you're kind of stuck into high end. Company girl. You, I, but, I, but but I, I don't think I'm gonna tell, tell you. I don't think I ever probably get, be able to get to that point using indoor flower or using greenhouse flower where I'd be able to be able to do what they're doing production levels at, at like like cigars. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're making, you know, but even cigar companies in itself, even they make limited batches on, certain, what, yeah. on certain sticks. So, you know what I'm saying? Back yeah, to when I used to smoke cigars, my favorite one I'd have to wait months for. So, like Opus X, like, like Opus X, yeah. I mean, they, they tend to hold a high value because they're good, they're good cigars right. and there's not many of them made. Yeah, I was so, that way with uh, Griffin Brothers forever. Yeah, so. I, 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 I can take that standpoint on it. That way I can't, um, that way I won't get overran. Um, but, you know, if, if I was to use good outdoor flower, that's, that's definitely something to be, that's, that's definitely something to be put out the mass production wise if I'm just using outdoor flower. But good, good terpy outdoor flower, good clean organic stuff. So what are the, some of the obstacles that you're facing trying to do consistent QC and do a product on it? Well, if I said payment processing, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of them. But, um, produ no. but production-wise, you think you you pretty well got it down? What what I plan on when I, my rollout is planning to be more or less a uh, monthly subscription. I'd like to I'd like to build that cult following first, and um and, and build out from there. I mean, I I, I can do I, I I see myself doing mass production. I'd probably be doing with outdoor flower. But if you want some, if you want those exclusive flavors. Um, those exclusive sticks you can't find anywhere. You'd probably more or less have to do monthly subscription. That way, that way, I, that way, I can keep the QC up the part. Um, okay, couple. This all poses a couple big questions, and I think I'll go with profit model before marketing. But is this a sustainable profit model? And are you going to have to develop auxiliary products? I believe it. It is. It, it's, it's yeah. It, it could be. I, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing I'm gonna have the biggest problem I'm gonna have is the education is the is introducing it to people because it's like even your craft hemp um hemp smokers they they're just not used to kind of smoking in a cigar form you know what I'm saying yeah so that goes back to the the second part of that that going question marketing that's why I'm that's why I'm at really right now I'm at marketing right now and. Once again, you know the struggles of actually owning a hemp CBD company. It's not the easiest. We just can't go out there and do what everybody else do. So you kind of, you kind of, basically, kind of got to get in where you can fit in. And, and and the best thing you probably can have going for you is word of mouth. 
Uh, I mean, I can advertise. I, I can advertise on Facebook and groups all day and get banned all day for it too. And I can try to advertise on Instagram all day and get banned on Instagram because they consider it to be a cannabis product. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, we all know that one. Exactly. But at the end of the day, I gotta, I, I, I gotta do something. And I, well, I, that's I think, what I'm saying is, are you, are you exploring more traditional forms of marketing? I mean, how? How much do you go out to expos? How much do you go to flea markets? How much, what, what, what all are you working on out there to get your word out? I've just been focused on, I've just been focusing on the internet right now. I've just been focusing on Instagram, Facebook. I've just been, I've, I've just been focusing on that right now. I don't even know these days if expos are still viable. Well, but, all right. But things like farmers markets and musical events and stuff, because I agree with you on the expos. Expos and right now you're preaching to the choir and basically companies trying to do B2B. Right now, the thing about like, okay, we at Tell City, uh, Tennessee Homegrown mm -hmm. has a new product, which is freeze dried ice cream. It's not like anything else. I can tell people about it on the internet. I can do Instagram. I can do all that. But until I can crunch down on one of those bad boys and see it, it's, it's very abstract. And aren't you kind of, when you, with your product categories, aren't you kind of stuck actually having to be one-on-one -on -one with people to get your messaging across? Yes and no. I also have one other ace up up my sleeve, and that is those reviewers. I know a good amount of good amount of product reviewers, and they, you know, they from what I've been seeing, they tend to do increased business. So, are you trying to get brick and mortars? Nah, 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 not, nah. I mean, not with average man hip goss. Probably under, probably under another brand where I'm doing outdoor flower. Right now, my actual focus in itself right now is uh, trying to build out that monthly subscription so I can, so I can cater to those X amount of people so they can actually see. And um, once I close that group off, once the word of mouth get out, people be, if if my calculations are correct, people would probably be scrambling to try to get in the group. So are you trying to do niche demographics or are you just trying to break, paint with a broad brush? I'm trying to build organically. Oh, oh whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. That nice try. We're all trying to do organically. I know, no, but, but, but like, 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 like I'm saying, like, for example, like, for example, like, like I'm a small, like I'm basically right now a one-man operation. I'm basically, I'm training another guy right now. I can handle, I can handle a hundred, I can handle, handle a hundred people a month. That's like nothing to me. I'm taking a monthly subscription amount right now. If I want to go big, I just go ahead and grab good outdoor flower and go under another product line. And then I'd be able to brick and mortar or whatever have you. My problem is that I've seen in the past is, um, I can't trust, like, I don't too much trust the smoke shops because I've, I've been in smoke shops and, Sometimes it's not the fact that you don't have a good product. It's sometimes the product is just too expensive in their store and it's out of the, the reach of the, 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 average, the average consumer. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm saying is you have a niche specific demographic. So how do you reach those folks? I mean, and oh, oh also, okay, real quick. Who is your demo? Who are the, who are right now? Because you're doing this for marketing. I'm hoping, aren't you? Oh, by all means, yeah. All right. What's your messaging? My messaging is build the culture. My messaging is let's 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 smoke with class. Let's smoke with culture. Well, you know that's. I know that's nice, but I'm out here listening. What is the narrative you got that out of all those vapes, dabs, this, whatever? Why should I choose your product? Well, I would I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say this is uh, much more healthier than the vape. <laughs> that's what it is dabs dabs ain't gonna last this long and you're not gonna get an experience from nothing else like you're gonna get from this so are you trying all right because i'm trying to get from you who who do you think would be your consumer is it somebody who at one point leaned more towards cigars and now is looking to get that same experience in a cannabis you know venue or whatever or is it a person who's been consuming cannabis who's looking for some new way to consume it. I would say both. 
Uh, you can't have it both ways on this program. So hey, I mean, to be honest with you, money is great. Well, my, well, I'm I am not going to turn down that money. I'm not. No, but I mean, no. Yeah. Who, who right now? Because that is the hardest thing about marketing special on cannabises, who's my customer and what will they be receptive to? And so you got to start someplace. So are you doing this uh, because I'm going to get a really nice buzz off of it? Or am I doing this because it's a really good smoke and it's a sensory, sen that sensory, you know, experience that's a superior. Exactly. I would say I can say the second one. Because by okay. no, by all means, we all sit back. We already know. We've been saying this for years. You know, you you can smoke this, smoke CBD, you can smoke hemp flower, and you're not going to get high. You know, so I can't. Um, even though, even though in certain strains, you, you the, the terpene profile can. It, yeah, you're right. Probably could give you a good buzz. But I'm telling you, there's some of this stuff that you know we found these things right. I mean, thing about farmers is you can find varieties like okay, it's got a lot of THCA in it, right? And they are there's flowers right now where they've lowered that ratio between cbd and thc and it buzzes you nicely yeah it, it, it really does uh and but i'm like i said trying to get into this about because here it is people are listening to this and your mm -hmm. chance to connect with them all right okay for one thing let's talk about your price point how okay. if i want i'm out there and i want i want one of these daggone things what kind of a price point can I think of if I get a hold of you and order a couple uh, Canagars? Right now, I'm currently running two sizes. I think that first, how long does that like? That's a three inch, that's a three inch long stick. Um, some taper, some taper size, more like a torpedo size um, shape. Those go roughly for 40, go for $40. That's indoor flower. And then I have a bigger size, which those are like roughly like eight to nine grams. The grams may vary depending on the moisture of the flower. Those go those go for fifty dollars. And if people want to actually go ahead and make a purchase, I, I am available online via Facebook. I am available on Instagram, and I do have my own website. But I'm still going through the payment processing um, situation right now on that. All right, doesn't the price point on that scare you? No, but not, not at all. This is hand rolled. This is print. Uh, this is top shelf. This is top shelf flower hand roll. That's it. it doesn't by, by no I means. I won't uh, debate that. But how long do you think it will be before the cannabis consumer is sophisticated enough to be able to say, "Well, I could buy. Uh, I could buy an eighth for that. I can buy a, you know almost a quarter for that." Uh, it's, it's true. By all means, they can. Matter well, of fact, no, but that's what I'm saying is, is, but that's that whole point. How can you connect with these people to make them understand the value? When we first come out with our live resin, mm -hmm. it's more expensive to make. It's harder. It doesn't yield as much. And it, it was probably an 18-month lag between enough people who had done high THC live resin, dabs and stuff to where they went and said, oh, my God, this is some of the terpiest stuff I'll ever. It justifies paying $50 for one mil. It took a long time for them to kind of catch up with, oh, and that's a good product. I, I would sit back and say the same thing, man. I mean, it actually takes me a while to actually roll these. <laughs> and they yeah. actually they, they actually do last a long time. The, um, in itself, I think the smallest one I make, that lasts like two hours in itself. Um, that's, like I said, that's top shelf indoor flower. So the same thing goes for the, the same thing goes for the other one also goes for the um the eight gram one too that's like uh, eight grams like that's a lot of grams. weed in <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and that's the whole point of it but that, 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 that's the whole point of it but it, it's, it's to be enjoyed in a social setting more or less rather than okay. so all right so that's okay that's what i'm trying to get to not to help you on your marketing because that was the thing about that we're noticing in the cannabis industry on our part is that for the most part, people are con very cost conscious. And, you know, they do what they will most bang for the buck, whether it's an edible or whatever. On a special occasion, if they know they're going to share, they'll shell out a little bit more to get something special. Is that kind of what you're, how you're trying to market this? Um, no. Like I say, it's 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 a product to be. You can sit at your house and enjoy, it, or you can be enjoyed in a social setting. That's what's kind of this. It's kind of more or less to me like a social product. It's not it's it's not a product. I mean, but you purchase it, you can if you want to 
you and your friends want to talk on it, I mean, by all means you can, but that's pretty much not what it's designed for. It's designed to be kind of, kind of like a gentleman's experience. Would you be upset if you found out people were chopping up your eight ground indoor flour and rolling it up in three quarter of a gram joints? I couldn't get I couldn't get no angry from if people decide to do that, then Dutch Master can get mad and they actually find out that people don't use their cigarettos for smoking. Smoking <laughs> cigarettos in itself. <laughs> I, I, once you spend the money, I can't I can't control what you did. You'll, no. Once you pay for it, you do what you want with it. Hey, you, Ox, hey, Ox, do you have a business model for your subscription service you mentioned? Yeah, it's it's my my thing is just to put out the best. I mean, and I'm not saying that I don't do it, but I'm really just like to put out the very best hemp gauze I can put out to really kind of really like really get my name out there and really see, see like see people understand. I'm really trying to build out that culture. So your goal, if if you were to you know get somebody like Jervo says, I'm a guy on the street. I'm gonna buy a couple to try them out, and then if mm -hmm. I like them, then the next step would be for me to be a subscriber. Exactly. And do you have price points for that yet? Yeah, um, like I said, that that would basically be the price point in itself. Like I'd not be doing it on the, I'd kind of be doing it on a monthly basis. Right. And that's and and that's what that'd be right there. I'm still I'm still looking at I'm still looking at concentrates to kind of sit back and look at playing with the the go with the hemp gauze, but I'm, that's that's a whole process in itself. Of course, on that the price point would go up as the as the price of material would go up on my side. You know. Sure. Ha since you have the type product, uh, I have no idea about what the laws are in Florida. In the state of Tennessee, they made it very easy to pair alcohol and cannabis products. We're in, That's beautiful. We're in several liquor stores, and we have cross-promoted with uh, other co companies, especially because we have a dark chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. And it pairs real well with a dark red wine. One of the things that occurred to me while you're talking have you thought about approaching people like Hennessy or something like that to pair, you know, like I said, cigar and cognac? You know, it's it's definitely worth looking at. Um, but the question is, I don't know. I don't know if we're that heavy in the hemp industry yet. What what, what Hennessy will even take us serious, man? Well, a few beer companies may take us serious, right? In, in well, but that's world. what I'm saying is the whole thing. What we're trying to do, marketing rise, is mm -hmm. find like-minded demographics. Exactly. So the whole thing is that we started doing is pairing more with, you know, with people who do this. Like I said, you know, know a couple people, and if they know that they're going to do a tasting or something like that, we'll piggyback, and it's both ways. And exactly. Because right now, I don't know about in your cannabis world, but in my cannabis world, the hardest thing in my life is selling this stuff. I think that's everywhere. Well, I can't say I think that's everywhere, but uh, that's 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 the gist of it. It's a very competitive industry. So, like I said, in this really competitive industry, what kind of things that you think, you know, are you thinking about doing innovatively to get your name out and get it in front of people? Well, I, I you know, I wasn't going to tell anyone, but, you know, between me and you, I have, um, <laughs> I actually, I actually have, I actually want to throw in goodies of being part of my subscription also, besides of getting a free stick every now and then. I have, um, I have a beer brewer that I, um, I'm um, in good talks with. I plan on pairing some strands with some non-alcoholic beers. That sounds good. Uh, have you approached like um, Cigar Aficionado or anybody like that trade-wise, journals? Uh, I think, um, like, I, like I said earlier, the tobacco guys, like they pretty much don't, they- They hate it. <laughs> I can't say they hate it, they're like real, like I say, they're real. They're real purists when it comes to their their cigars. They don't want they don't want them to intermix, intertwine. Like I live not too far from a cigar shop, and um, I can smoke whatever cigar I want, but it's kind of blasphemous if I try to go in there and smoke one of my hemp gauze. So like 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 either it's gonna change or it's gonna morph into its own subculture. Right. And I'm thinking, and, and I'm leaning more into it's gonna lean more towards into a subculture because the same thing that makes people want to buy can of gauze would probably be the same thing that make people want to buy hemp gauze or the same people that want to buy cigars. You smoke cigars for those nuanced flavors and those tastes, and uh, it's kind of the same thing I do for my hemp gauze. I smoke for those nuanced flavors and taste. I, I I match this, I I layer this strand with that strand, you know, for those nuanced flavors and taste that good smoke you can enjoy. And on top of that, it can calm it can calm your nerves too. Sure. 
where would you like to be? Like I call it the cannabis fairy came down and said, okay, bang, here's your perfect world. What would it be? I think, I think what would actually be, um, I'd like to people, if I actually really want people to experience it, I'd really like to have something like a smoking lounge where I have, um, not just, um, not just to my hemp gauze, but hemp gauze from, from other guys who actually roll and some non-alcoholic, uh, probably cannabis infused beer on tap where you can come in actually and enjoy yourself in a social setting and get the experience what I'm talking about rather than me, um, just talking about it. You know what I'm saying? That is for, for people that actually have that experience. If the ferry was to come down right now, I'd, I'd probably do that in a heartbeat. And I feel in my hearts of hearts, it it, it it take off because even if because even if you don't come enjoy him, God, I guess there's a there's a lot of places people would like a safe space to just be able to enjoy their their medicine in itself from from the safety of a location, which you know a lot of places don't have. So uh, that seems to be a thing right now. I think uh, Colorado's wrestling with that. Um, we know it's Vegas, amazing. Nevada's yeah. wrestling with having. What do you want to call them? I call them coffee shops because that's what I know. Exactly. I mean, I used to go to Amsterdam on a semi-regular basis and, you know, that whole coffee shop experience. But the reason I'm saying this is it it's just I'm trying to get a, more of an idea about, for one thing, if people are out there want to connect with you, how could they collaborate with you right now? Who are, who are, who are the people that you're looking for to be able to collaborate with? collaborate with to further your business well I'm, I'm always looking for farmers that's growing good into a flower that's 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 for one thing um that's definitely one thing i, I would say also um i've come to find also seeing the direction that the smokable flower market is going it doesn't hurt to have a good seed breather on hand too because um he's gonna always have new flavors coming out before they even come out um i'm, I'm definitely open to um partner up with a beer company and put, try to try to put together a bill and put together a hemp guard uh, to pair with that. I'm definitely down for that also. And uh, once upon a time, I was even considering a bourbon company, but I've sat back and asked myself, which which strand can I find that actually that actually pair well with bourbon? Uh, you do know that Mr. Step is from Kentucky. <laughs> I, I, yeah, now, I, you're talking, I now you're speaking my language. Absolutely, <laughs> no, not. I mean, based off, I mean, of course, Mr. Step, I'm pretty sure you're pretty much so a cannabis uh, hemp consumer by all means, are you? Exactly. So what strands have you, have you actually ever had a good hemp strand that paired well with your bourbon or you've just never tried? You know, I don't think I've ever done that. Um, let me think here. But I could, I could tell you that if I was drinking bourbon and I was going to smoke along with it, I would definitely want the smoke to be very light on flavor to so not, to not, yeah, to so not get in the way. Bourbon. Exactly. I don't but want But you would at least want something that complement it though also, right? Absolutely. So if, if I was drinking a bourbon that was say like a Basil Hayden, that was more on the citrusy vanilla side, then I might want my smoke to be a little spicier. Like a tangy, like a yeah. like a tangy CBD, like a tangy CBD would probably go hand in hand with that. It, yeah. it definitely complement the flavor. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think if you did do your lounge, having a pairing night might be a good fifty dollar idea. I, what I'm saying is, I really think ox, you, you got to start thinking about cross promoting with flavor profiles, foods, alcohols, because that's I used to smoke cigars. Mm-hmm. I never just smoked a cigar by itself. <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm, I'm, see, and that's the thing. I've, I've actually smoked cigars by itself. No, but kinda, to, yeah, yeah. But but to what was favorite? Oh my God, was after a good meal or some good liquor. You know, I'm just sorry. They paired so well. I mean, in fact, and one of the things I do, I'd go get sushi, get enough sake in me to get a good buzz on. And there was a, they'd get a really good cigar. And it was, I'm just telling you. It was those moments where you went, oh, yeah. It seems to me if you're going to be doing this, you really are going to have to start thinking about the totality of the experience and how you can marry this. Now, let me ask you a question, Harold. Uh -huh. You being an ex-cigar smoker, but do you you probably might not miss the, 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 the probably the disadvantages of smoking tobacco, but do you ever in itself miss that cigar smoking feel, that whole Dude. experience in itself? 
I had dreams about cigars for a good two years or so after I quit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll join and, in and that too. Because and I, that's the void I'm trying to fill here, you know? Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is when I did the cigar and I had the, the, the good cigar or whatever, it was always the culmination of other things. It was never a singular activity. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so, so you never smoked a cigar while working? No. How about you, Steph? No. No, for me, my, my favorite times of smoking cigars was usually fall, winter, sitting outside, end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, my thing then, well, I don't smoke cigars anymore, but then it was like with a really, you know, like with a really heavy beer, like a nut brown ale or a, or a cream stout. Like a stout. Now, yeah. Okay, so so here's why I run into things like this. I run into something like a stout, trying to find something like a, a strand that will pair with something where I can just call this call this him called the stout, or I can call this to this, I can call it to that. Then then that's why I kind of run into the uh, I I need somebody on my side who's always working on genetics. I can always get my hands on some flavors that no, I can always kind of put the you know always put to some type of good use. But kind of use that to your advantage because you're in search of the things because that that is if it's a decent cannabis right mm-hmm. it's just a matter of find what pairs with it exactly so but that's what I'm saying is and and make that part of your marketing journey I'm just saying <laughs> all right I mean it, 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 I, I mean, it, it, it is. But I, I don't know man if you, I'm gonna be honest with you I'm, I'm just so focused on kind of just trying to prove myself. To the people, well, I'm, 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 I'm not against cross um, cross marketing. Uh, no, I'm just know, telling by, by no you. Means. Shameless self promotion is a time honored cannabis tradition. It is. I mean, if you you got a wolf, I mean, you got to stand on top of your car and say, "Look, I got a great product, folks. You need to gather around because you do have a unique product. It's just a matter of getting out there and spreading the gospel." Yeah, it, 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 indeed. Now, 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 let me ask you a question. Would mm-hmm. you guys ever sit back and sell something of, um, like, like hemp gauze on your website with the fact of knowing that y'all actually have indoor flower? And, um... it's, it's not in our wheelhouse. I, I, I mean, truthfully, I don't like smoking. It's like a little campfire. Right now, I don't smoke anything. Wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll answer that before you set up your <laughs> He will not turn down the money. So yes, yes, he will he will join in gladly. But but I don't. The thing about it is, I don't know that market. I really don't. It's a growing it's a, market. It's it, it's. I know, a, it's a but that's what I'm saying growing. is, yeah. it's but you got to do that one because this one's going to be. You're going to wander in the desert for a while, and I've been down that road, and and I'm just you know that's the thing about taking that time, and to me it it's a matter of going in stores, going in places standing there because you can't do this product over the internet i'm just going to tell you that straight up mm-hmm. you're going to have to get in front of people and you're going to have to cross pollinate yeah I, I agree with that but also i think it i think it's a viable product because 10 years ago you couldn't find a craft brewery craft beer easily anywhere and now it's the domination so i think with what ox i mean I've, I've, in terms of like craft and handmade and hand rolled all that stuff's viable and i think it, it'll just take time and then like harold says get it in front of people and and get pairings going and get tastings going and and get like you even said the root of it was great reviews i mean you start yeah. you start your online business and great reviews come out and somebody you know who's a heavy hitter or or you know anybody that's gives you glowing reviews and that's going to drive people i mean anything i purchase online half of it's based on reviews now All remember right. the same remember at the same time here remember you knew nothing about the smokable flower market but yet and still it fell on your lap yeah but nah. because there was there was a a demand and that's what i'm saying is you're good the big thing between now and then was we were filling a void Right now, you're trying to find a customer base and make, basically make a customer base. Speaking of which, we're going to, we have been doing this creeping up on an hour. Yeah, that was a horn honk that just had to stop. 
Yep. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, just hey, I'm sorry. I, I live in a, I to the show before. I never heard a horn before. I got a joke. It was a joke. I, I live in an urban area. I'm sorry. Uh, now, so, but we do, to wrap this up, though, we posed a lot of questions and a lot of scenarios. And right now, I'd love for people to be able to get a hold of you. So I need for you to shamelessly self-promote how people can get a hold of you and your product. Um, how to get a hold of me and it's also to get a hold of my product. So one one area you can look would be Instagram um, for reasons of not wanting my page shut down. I operate under my personal profile, which is Ox Bethel. Um, I have a cannabis page under um, Average Man Hemp Goss. If people are on that platform, I don't know if y'all are familiar with that platform or not. Um, you most certainly can get a hold of me on um, Facebook under Average Man Hemp Goss. And of course, um, you know, you also can check me out on Anchor on Hemp Talk Radio. So that, that's like, that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, oh yeah, I have the website, um, averagemanhempgoss.com, but the likelihood of you, you can, you'll be getting contact with me, but if you're trying to, actually trying to make a purchase in itself, you would more or less have to go via Facebook or Instagram. Will you, will you come back again? Because I, I feel like we could, we could go a lot longer with you on this. Hey man, I mean, if you if, if if you want me back, just let me know when you want me back. Yeah, and then also let us know when you're uh, if you do your uh, hemp talk radio on smokable flower. I think you mentioned earlier you're gonna. Oh, uh, you know so. what? I might just go. I might just go ahead when I do that episode. I might bring y'all on, man, because I've always told people that the Tennessee market in itself is is is, is a whole different animal in itself when it comes to smokable flower. Based it on started it. That's the thing about it. The smokable flower market started. In Tennessee. Whoa, 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 whoa! Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> See, there, there's how you start the episode right there. <laughs> that's a bold. That's a bold statement, right there, man. Because it was the first state to look the other way when it really took off. You couldn't do it in Kentucky. You couldn't do it in Colorado because of the interfering with the wreck. Tennessee was the first state. That I came seen Colorado born. first. Yeah, but what I'm saying is. It was a convoluted market. The first place to where people were were lining up and it became, you know, was Tennessee. Y'all the freest. I w- and I can't take that from y'all. Delta Nine. Y'all oh, y'all was the freest then and y'all still the freest. I can't take that from y'all. All right. All right. Step, you want to wind this bad boy up? No, I'm good. Yeah. I think, right. I think again, um, it's been great, Ox. Thanks for joining us and please do come back again. Because I think uh, in the very near future, you're going to have a lot of updates for us of how progress is uh, coming along. We're still working on the leaf care process. Yeah. Still working on the leaf care process. It's always ongoing. Folks, thank you very much for coming in and listening to Full Contact Cannabis. We were blessed to be able to talk to Ox Bethel of Average Man Hemp Goss. Average Man Hemp Goss. Also, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media. And I, of course, am Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. the Old Hemp Farmer. And as always, keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Full Contact Cannabis is created by Jarbo, the old hemp farmer. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com. Uppercut Media.